I have a reading and I have a verse. We're going to do our reading first in Revelation chapter 21 and then we'll go to the verse and we'll look at many other scriptures on the way through this evening. Revelation chapter 21, please. While you're looking that up, I mentioned this morning, while we know Syria for years has been in the news, and just on, actually on Christmas Day, the Israelis bombed around Damascus, and the Russians are tightening grip within Syria, and Turkey is aligning its tanks along the northern border of Syria, and in 2012, it's coming seven years ago actually, I looked today, um, just before I come out, 2012 I preached on Syria, the historical setting of Syria, the biblical setting of Syria, and the prophetical setting of Syria, and in the Lord's will, uh, next Sunday night we're going to speak about that because things are starting to heat up there again, and believe it's in, there's a little scripture um, in there that just sets right out, has never been fulfilled concerning Damascus. And we're going to look at that in the Lord's will next Sunday evening. Revelation 21, please, verses 1 to 5. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, and I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne saith, Behold, I make all things new. And he saith unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And will you turn with me to a well-known verse? It's in Second Corinthians, please, chapter 5. Verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's just by a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this packed house again this evening. We thank you, Father, that you have put it in the people's heart to be here to worship you to meet with you and to come under the sound of your word. And Lord, it is your word, it's not mine. And we pray, O oh God, even if this word is difficult to hear, Lord, even if this word strikes the heart of believer or unbeliever alike, we pray, O oh God, that as you deem and see fit to do with your word as you will, we pray, O oh God, that you would give receptive ears and hearts to be able to receive the engrafted word, which is able to save the soul. And Father, tonight we thank you, Lord, for everyone who has come and traveled. And we pray, Lord, that you would bless them tonight. 
Lord, that you would encourage them. No, God, there are even ones in our midst who are still in mourning. Recent bereavements, Father, we thank you for your word that tells us, Lord, there's coming a day for those who are in Christ that there is a new heaven and a new earth to come. We thank you, God, that those who are in you are new creatures and we will be in that new heaven and new earth. Father, we thank you, O God, that we, Lord, are not left without hope as believers, but, O God, that our hope is in thee. And, Lord, for your plan and purpose for eternity. Father, we love you because you first loved us. And we thank you that you give us your only begotten Son. We thank you, Lord Jesus, you went all the way to Calvary and paid our debt. And you left us your Holy Spirit. Lord, now we pray, would you have your way with men and women, young and old, boys and girls, teenagers in this place. And Lord, may you hide the preacher behind the cross. And may Christ alone be glorified and exalted. For he alone deserves the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to speak this evening on the title, Behold, I Make All Things New. And that's what the reading in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 5, it says, And he that sat upon the throne, the Lord Jesus, said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Now when Christ or God's word says it, you and I can believe it, brothers and sisters. When God's word says it and we read it, you and I can take it that it's done. And this is good as that. There's nothing to add to, nor to take away from, but rather God's word is final. And God's word is all we ever need. Can't be changed because of what goes on in society. God's word can't be changed because of how society carries on in time. We hear it's 2018 soon in a couple of days to be 2019 and how things should change. Well, everything can change, but I'll tell you one thing, God's word will never change. And he always remains the same. And we read in our verse, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things, look at this, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Notice, all things are passed away. The man and the woman who have come to true saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, they're not perfect, but their desires change. You know why? Because the Holy Ghost is in them. Their life changes. You know why? Because the Holy Ghost is in them. Their actions change. You know why? Because the Holy Ghost is in them. All their thinking, all their speech, their very want to be in God's house changes. Why? Because the Holy Ghost has entered into that man and into that woman. Therefore, if any man, that means man is generic or woman. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he or she is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. They are a new creature or a new creation. Now, as I said, we're not perfect. But one thing we do is we show forth fruit of the working of the Holy Ghost. I ask you, Christian, and since you've got saved, whether there's people here who were saved last week. There's people here who have been saved for years and years and years. I remember one man once said to me, brother, he was like an old stick in the mud. And he says, brother, I've been saved for 57 years. 
I've been on the road for 57 years. And I says, brother, you've been in the road most of 57 years. <laughs> oh, brothers and sisters, when Christ is in a man and when Christ is in a woman, he changes the man and he changes the woman and they become a new creation, a, a new creature in Christ. Has the life changed since you have met Christ? Has the life changed since you have been saved, blood-washed and born again of the Spirit? This new creature is spoken of, believe it or not, in the Old Testament. In the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. Look at what the prophet says. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. The Lord's saying, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now the Lord is looking here at Israel dispersed and scattered to be regathered. And he's looking at every man and woman who are lost in their sin. All we like sheep, he writes, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and Yahweh hath laid upon his son, Yahshua, the iniquity of us all. And the Father hath laid upon his son all of our iniquity. Notice this, former things and the old things are not to be considered. In other words, when you got saved, when you got blood washed, when you were blood bought at Calvary's cross at the repentance of your sin, your old life disappeared. Isn't that fantastic to know that? Every one of us should be rejoicing to know that no matter who we were, where we were from, or what we have accomplished or done in our lives, in our sin, in our depravity, that when we came to Christ, he wiped it all away. And he's made us all whiter than the snow. What a wonderful, wonderful salvation the Lord Jesus brings. Notice this. The Lord says, Isaiah 43 and 19, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now listen, we hear people praying, and that's okay. The Lord can do all new things at any time he wants. But that's not what he's speaking of. He's speaking of something in particular here. Listen to Menzies' commentary. He writes, What is old is passed away. A new world has come. What is old is passed away. A new world is come. And the Lord was saying that all the old things has passed away. You enter into a new world. I remember when I got saved and the first day whenever I got some sleep and I remember getting up and I was probably still in the stupor of the alcohol and still probably half drugged. I don't know. God rung me out the night I got saved. But that morning when I got up and I walked down the road, I heard the very car tires on the tarmac. I was numb to it. I seen street signs that I didn't even know existed. I walked up and down there a million times. I heard birds chirping and it was a new world because Christ had come in. The Holy Spirit had illuminated my heart and I was in love with Jesus. Blood washed and blood bought by the Spirit of the living God. Brothers and sisters, we should be letting people know the joy of the Lord that is our strength. That when we're in Christ, that we are a blessed people. Isn't that true? Brothers and sisters, are you blessed tonight? Because you're in Christ, we're blessed. We are a blessed people. 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 19, he says, Behold, I do a new thing. Listen to Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown on the words new. It means something unprecedented in its wonderful character. I'm going to say it again. Something unprecedented in its wonderful character. God is saying, I'm going to do something that has never been done before. I'm going to do something unprecedented and its character is so wonderful you can't grasp it right now. Now this is in Isaiah's day, 700, maybe 750 years before it actually came to pass. Something uh, unprecedented and wonderful in its character. Isaiah 42 and verse 9. Notice what it says. Behold, the former things are come to pass. The new things do I declare before they spring forth. I tell you of them. In other words, God was saying, I'm telling you of this wonderful thing that's going to happen. Unprecedented in any religion. Unprecedented in the mystery religions of Babylon. Unprecedented upon planet earth. Unprecedented demands eyes and demands hearing. Unprecedented that it takes a Holy Ghost for a man and a woman to grasp hold of it because they're dead before God. It's they're unprecedented. It's unprecedented because it means he was going to send forth his son and he would become our sin bearer on the cross unprecedented in Israel, unprecedented in the nations around, and unprecedented on the earth. Now notice this. God had spoken and fulfilled his word. He keeps his covenants, and he performs his promises. And now he tells us of what he's going to do. God himself would take on humanity. Notice that. Jesus isn't just a prophet, by the way. He's not Isa of the Islamic faith. He is not Isa. Isa didn't die, according to them. So Isa didn't rise again, according to them. And Isa didn't shed his blood for you. Christ died, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. He is our Christ, our Jesus, and he is the one that's something unprecedented. It was wonderful in its character that Christ alone can save a man and Christ alone can save a woman from a devil's hell, from a burning lake of fire. God clothed himself with humanity, clothed in flesh, veiling his deity, yet manifesting his divinity. And notice this. Hebrews chapter 2, the New Testament. Hebrews 2 and verse 16 says, For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Isn't that fantastic? Look, the the Lord in, in in the Old Testament, he's the one who's in the garden with Adam. He's the one who comes and speaks with him. He's the one who comes along then and, and, and meets at the tent door with Abraham. He's the one who speaks then to Isaac and tells him where to sojourn. He's the one that comes in the Old Testament to Jacob and wrestles all night with him. He's the one who comes on to Joseph and, and shows Joseph how to interpret dreams. He is the one then that comes on the, on the Gideon and shows him how to defeat the enemy. He's the one who comes to David. He's the one who meets Moses at the tabernacle door. He's a, the angel of the Lord and he is a theophany of God but now the unprecedented thing is his son comes in flesh 
And we find that it is absolutely wonderful to all of us who are in Christ. Are you in Christ tonight? Are you in Christ tonight? Oh, what do you mean in Christ? Are you saved tonight? Are you trusting solely, completely, totally, only, uniquely, on Christ and what he has accomplished at the finished work of Calvary. What do you mean the finished work of Calvary? That when Jesus shed his blood, his precious blood, and he gave up the ghost, he cries, it is finished. Pet and fool, Ken Davidson, you trust in me. Then you're forgiven of your sins. You're cleansed and you're covered for eternity with the blood of the Lamb. Oh, the being to Jesus for the cleansing power. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? He paid it all. He paid our debt that we couldn't pay and he lived the life we couldn't live and he kept the law we couldn't keep and he went all the way to Calvary. And he suffered and died alone. So when we say, are you in Christ? Are you trusting in him alone? It's not Jesus plus your works. Or it's not work what you can and Jesus does the rest, as the Mormons believe. You do all the works, you do all the works. And then Jesus, he makes up the difference. Nonsense, poppycock. You trust fully and completely in what Christ hath done. And on that alone and in nothing else. And you'll be forgiven of your sin. Notice, here we find he is not in theophany anymore, but something unprecedented and wonderful in its character has happened. And Christ becomes our sin bearer. God becomes a flesh. So 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, in Christ, he is a new creature. You see, if you're not in Christ, you can't be a new creature. And we're going to look that you have to be in Christ to be in the new heavens and the new earth. You see, it's a, heaven is a, a prepared place for a prepared people. And the prepared people are those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, Christ Jesus is also in them. It means your life is different. Do you hear that? See, when the church is starting to go and be like the world and bring the world into the church, you see, whenever the church is more like a disco rather than a time of praise and worship unto the Lord, do you see whenever they're having all the things that they're having being brought in and all the ecumenical services and they're turning away from the, the, the pure word of God and they're saying it's Jesus plus or we can emulate this one, that one, and the other one. We don't want to emulate anyone but the Christ himself. Amen. Christ alone is our cornerstone. And notice this, when we get there, we find that if you're in Christ, not Christ plus, you are a new creature. A new environment for the new creature. It's a new world. And notice, we also get a new standing. A new standing. If you're, if you're a Christian tonight, you're in a good standing. And you're in a new standing from what you were before you were saved. You see, before you were saved, when the Father saw you, he saw you in your sin. You were a lawbreaker. You broke the law. But now when you're in Christ, you're in a new standing. You're a son and a daughter of the living God. A child of the king by grace and by grace alone. And notice what 2 Corinthians 5, please, and verse 19 says. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 19. To it, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, 
not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Notice to it that God, he isn't just the prophet. He isn't just a man. God was in Christ. Listen, and he isn't just a man filled with God, by the way. He isn't just a man who's anointed with the Holy Spirit. He is God wrapped in flesh. God clothed with humanity. Fused but not confused. Fullness of deity. Oh, we sang it last week, didn't we? Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Heal the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell. He's Jesus, our Emmanuel. What a Savior. What a Lord. And notice this. To it that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Now the Lord Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You see, when they're looking at Christ, you're looking at God. And when you want to come into God's presence, you come through what Christ hath done. And he says, you want to come to the Father? I am in the Father, the Father is in me. He says, the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. <laughs> oh, great is the mystery of godliness. And God was manifest in the flesh. And these wonderful mysteries of God, we find ourselves that we are in him, uh, then we are in good standing, reconciled back to God through Christ by his blood. Notice, not imputing their trespasses unto them. See the word imputing gives the idea of gathering something up, collecting it up, getting it all over, collecting it. Gives the idea of it. And you take it up and you add it all up. You're taking every one of it, the infantry down of it, and you get it up into a final sum of the matter, and then you judge on it. You see, that's what could have happened to you, and that's what could have happened to me, and that's what will happen to everyone who are not in Christ in that day. Should they pass and, and stand before God, when that day would be, you see, and, and God has it all there in front of him, every jot and tittle of everything, it's imputed onto the unbeliever. It's added up against them. And they stand guilty as charged. But when we're in Christ, he did not impute our trespasses, our law-breaking. He doesn't gather it up to us. There's never going to be a day when you're under the blood of Christ where you're going to be there judged and he's going to say, I have seen all your sin and I have seen all you've been up to and I've seen every thought that you've ever thought. He's never going to say that to me because of the blood of Jesus. Because of the blood of Christ. And if you're in Christ tonight, then he won't say it to you either. You're in a good standing tonight, Christian. You're in a good standing tonight because you're in Christ. And so our verse says in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. We are reconciled back to God. We are restored back to his favor. And because Jesus satisfied the claims of justice, I need you to get this. Jesus satisfied the claims of justice. God is not unjust in having men and women stand before him guilty. 
God is not unjust when men and women in their sin and rejecting Christ are sent to a devil's hell. He is not unjust. He is not unjust. He's a just God. And the claims of justice said, Ken Davidson, you're on the broad road to destruction. The claims of justice said, Billy Wilson, you're on the broad road to destruction. Claims of justice could say to every one of us, from the youngest to the oldest, and it was just. God is just. People try to put it on the Lord as if he's some big monster. No, he isn't. He's a wonderful savior. He's a beautiful father. He's a just God. He's a just God. Justice demanded payment. Justice demanded payment. And notice what Colossians chapter 2 Colossians chapter 2, verse 14 says, Of the Lord Jesus Christ at Calvary, he went to Calvary and he blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Isn't that beautiful? Christian, does that not make your heart rejoice? That everything that was against you, let me break this down and maybe it'll help you. It'll refresh you. It says, blotting out, blotted out the handwriting. The word blotting or blotted here is the word axalafo. And it means to anoint at times. It can be used for to wash every part of someone or to wash every part of something to leave none of it out. In other words, if you get something and you half wash it, do you ever take your car and you go and you get it washed and you come back and there's maybe a quarter panel and they've missed it? I hate that. Do you know that? That does me in. But this washing means when you're washed, you're washed completely. You're washed thoroughly. And there's no guilty stains. There's no guilty marks on you. Blotting out the handwriting. Notice this of ordinances that was against us. Now, the idea here to uh, blot, or this word that means blot, it means to obliterate something completely. And in Revelation 21, in our reading this evening, and in verse 4, in our reading, Revelation 21 and verse 4, it says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall not. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Old things are passed away, we're told. Behold, all things are become new. You see that? And here, the term God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. It's the exact same word for blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. It's the big word, axa-alafo, and it means God will anoint where the tears are in our eyes. The tears you cry because of a missed loved one. The tears you cry because there's been an empty seat. God's going to wipe them away and anoint your eyes. He'll wipe it away. 
But you know the tears you cry because of hardship of life and a breakdown of life and breakdown of family or breakdown of something else. Do you know those tears that you've cried over uh, your, your, your children or your grandchildren? Do you know those tears that have run down your face many a time and, and you thought your heart can't take anymore? You're going to break. God's going to wipe them all away. You know the tears of fear and the tears of anguish and the tears of, of bitterness even. All of those tears, God will wipe them away. In fact, it's the exact same word that says God will obliterate every tear of sadness from you. Oh, we're singing, what a day that will be. When my Jesus I shall see, when I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, when he takes me by the hand, and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day, that will be. There'll be no sorrow there, no more burdens, oh bless him. No more sickness or pain, no more parting over there. And forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a Oh, let's sing it then. What a day. Hallelujah. Oh, bless you, Jesus. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by... Thank you, Lord. And when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, glorious day that will be. Hallelujah. Oh, what a day. What a day. The day and that new heaven and new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. When we will see the Christ who died for us. When we will see the Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. When we will see the Lord Jesus Christ face to face. When we behold him, we'll behold him and not another for we shall see him with our own eyes. On that day, the one who shed his precious blood for each and every one of us. Oh, if any man be in Christ. <laughs> Friend, if you're not in Christ tonight, you don't know what you're missing. In fact, if you're not in Christ tonight, you don't know who you're missing. He is a new creature. Hear the blotting out of the handwriting. Note the word handwriting means, by the way, it's a word, ca <clears throat> excuse me, carographon. And it simply means handwriting what one hath written by their own hand. <laughs> 
like your signature. You signed something, that's your signature. I, I don't know about some of you, but you know, I miss, well, I'm, I know you do miss your family that have passed on, but most of my family are nearly all gone. And I miss them dearly. And sometimes under my study, right under the desk, I have right packed because I haven't enough room, all the stuff my dad would have written and of books and of poems and of different things, this height, all underneath it. And the odd time I'd take it out and I'd have a sneaky peek at it. And as I'm looking at it, you know, I can nearly feel him in it because it's his mind and it's his heart and it's what he said and what he thought. And I'm reading it and I can see his handwriting on it. Oh, it touches my heart, you see. My daddy wrote that. My daddy wrote that. You see, when you open that word, I can feel him. I can see him. Because he's really with me. Because my daddy wrote this. Signed with his own hand. I'm with you, son. I'm with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Hold tight and hold fast. Be strong and have a good courage, he says. And he writes it with his own hand. It's like those tablets of stone. And the Ten Commandments were written and were against us because we couldn't keep them written in God's own hand. And the idea of this is a handwriting of ordinances that were against us. Everywhere we go, Ken, oh, there's it there. You see, Ken Davidson, you're a sinner. You see, Ken Davidson, uh, you're, you're a thief, you're a liar. Well, I haven't done that, and I haven't done this, and I haven't done the other. But, you know, Christ amplifies it. He says, have you looked at someone with lust in your heart? Uh, you know what he's saying? Are you a natural human being? He says, then you're an adulterer. Have you ever stolen a moment in time that wasn't yours even? Well, then you're a thief. Have you ever hated your brother in your heart, your sister? Well, then you're a murderer. Christ didn't do away with the law. He fulfilled the law. And he amplified the law. In fact, you know what, brothers and sisters? We were worse than we ever thought we were. Depraved. The very best of us were depraved in our sin and in our nature. Dead. Dead to God. And he came in grace. And he came down when he didn't have to. And he came and he spoke into your life. He spoke into your heart. And he quickened your spirit to behold the Lamb of God. Your only salvation. And what happened, brothers and sisters, we turned by the Spirit. He gave us repentance unto life. And we find ourselves in a place of worship and praise, loving the one who died for us. The idea is this autograph, this bond was written that was against me and against you, and Christ took it on himself. In the, on the cross, in his own body, on the tree, and he bore every single part of it. And when he shed his blood, he says, Now I can, if you trust in me, you can go free. You're free indeed. 23 years ago, I put my trust in him. And I walked in a sinner, guilty before God, condemned 
before our Father on the broad road to destruction, on the road to a devil's hell and the lake of fire. And I walked out after coming under the cross, washed in the blood, and I'll never forget it, I walked out a free man. Walked in guilty, and I walked out free. And maybe you've walked in here tonight, and you've walked in guilty as charged before God. The handwriting of ordinances are against you. But if you come to Christ tonight and give your life to him, you can walk out a free man. You can walk out a forgiven free woman. Forgiven of all your sin. I better hurry up. That's my first point. Sure, it doesn't matter. We'll see where we get more clothes up as normal. The handwriting that was against us and was contrary to us, he says. And the idea here is it was not only opposed and set against us, it gives the idea of meeting someone on the path. It's the idea of it. The handwriting of ordinances that was against us and was contrary unto us means it kept meeting us in the way. You know you're not right. You know you're not saved. You know you're not right before God. In fact, the word here, it gives the idea of a violent form of opposition. I know people say, imagine God saving people against their will. No, he doesn't save you against your will at all. No, he does not. He makes you willing to be saved. He doesn't save you against your will. And there's a violent form of opposition when God not only gets involved in your life, but God interferes that you won't go there. You see, that's why you're here tonight. I'm glad God interfered in my life. I'm glad God interfered in my life and got involved because I was lost. There's a goose on a storm. Notice. The man and the woman in Christ are a new creature or a new creation. All things have passed away, but all things have become new. So how do, we, how do we become new through the new covenant? Jeremiah 31, verses 31 to 34, the Lord says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant. First of all, he's saying there's going to be a new thing that comes. It's going to be wonderful. The incarnation. Christ born as a baby. Bethlehem. Going to the cross. Then there's a new creature to all those who are in them. Then they're in a new standing when they're all in Christ. <laughs> We're reconciled unto God. And now we look at this and we find something else new. It's all through a new covenant. You see, the old covenant and, and the Ten Commandments just points us all the time, condemns us. Condemns us. No hope of being saved. Condemns us. When Jesus comes and he makes a new covenant... Those are in Christ, he lifts the condemnation from them. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I have made with their fathers. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their inward parts and write it in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. In other words, when we get saved, we don't have the Ten Commandments on stone tablets, as it were, outside a government building. As it were, you stick something like a fridge on a fridge magnet on a fridge, and here's what you do, and here's what you don't do. Make sure you do your best, and we fail every one of them. No, 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 because when we're in Christ, he writes it on the heart. And yes, we're going to fail. And yes, we fall. And yes, we falter. 
but we don't walk in an open course of sin. We strive to walk with our Father and to be more like His beautiful Son. And all we're hearing today is, find your inner self. Please don't. Please don't. Go with your own heart. Please don't. The scripture says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart I try to raise, he says. Please don't go with your own heart. It'll take you to hell. Better settle down. I'm getting too warm up here. <laughs> and notice this. The new covenant was made when Jesus died on Calvary's tree. And it's also reiterated in Hebrews chapter 8 and in Hebrews chapter 10. The new creature of 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 is in Christ. And so he is a recipient of that new covenant. The new creature of 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 is being transformed by the word of God. Renewed in the spirit of their mind. Regenerated by the Holy Ghost. Conformed into the image of the Son of God. And they are sanctified and set apart for the use and service of Christ and his kingdom. That's who we should be Christians. And do you see when all others are saying, you know what? We can go and in our church, you can come on a Sunday morning and even on a Sunday night you can go to the pub. Now you listen, it's happening. There's even churches have shelters now where they can go out and have a smoke break during the preaching of the word. Rave discos. Hey, listen, church. The church is meant to be different. Blood washed. Blood bought. Spirit filled. Men and women in love with Christ. Holiness unto the Lord. Yes, we fail, as I said, we falter and fall. We don't walk in an open course of sin, neither do we seek to, but rather to walk, to be conformed into the image of his Son. And when we do, well, we are weak, yet he is strong, and his grace carries us on. We live in the grace of God, saved by grace alone. It's a tremendous. I'm so unworthy. I'm unworthy of him. The new creature who is in Christ will be given a new song. A new song. Listen, the Lord's not looking for you to have a beautiful voice. Dear, help us. Did you hear me earlier? (laughs) But I employ what I have into his service and under the praise of his glory. All that I am, all that I have, I owe to thee, O Calvary's Lamb. 
Notice Psalm 33 and verse 3 says, Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. Well, I do one of those. I can sing a new song and the other one out of the other two is I play with a loud noise. It doesn't mean skillfully, but I play with a loud noise. Already made a big mistake during the beginning of the worship, but it was not Rebecca's fault but mine. Psalm 40, verses 2 and 3, He hath brought me up also out of an horrible pit from the merry clay. Set my feet upon a rock, and hath established my going, hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. And many shall see it, and shall fear, and shall trust in the Lord. You see, when you're singing a new song, you're building up your testimony, aren't you? You're telling people, let me tell you about Jesus. I want to tell you about the one whom my soul loveth. You see, you're like the little Shulamite girl who wakes up and she's been in the dirt in the mire and great Solomon has come along and taken her from the merry clay and out of that uh, rotten life that she had and he's washed her and he's clothed her and he's cleansed her and she's sitting at his table and she's feasting with the great Solomon and one day she wakens up in her bed and you see her great Solomon isn't there and she runs through the streets and she's looking for him. She says, tell me. Hast thou seen him whom my soul loveth? Have you seen Jesus? I ask you, Christian, have you seen him whom my soul loveth? Do you love him with your soul? Do you love him with your soul? Put a new song in our mouths. Psalm 96 and verse 1 says, O sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Psalm 98 and verse 1 says, O sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. Psalm 144 and verse 9 says, I will sing a new song unto thee, O God. Psalm 149 and verse 1 says, Praise ye the Lord, sing unto the Lord a new song and his praise in the congregation of the saints. You see, I sing the new song of the Lord when I'm driving my car. Oh, Jesus, thank you for saving me. Lord, I'm so unworthy of you. But I know you shed your blood for me. I don't understand, Lord. And that's the way I would talk to the Lord everywhere I go in the car. I sing a new song on the Lord in the shower. <laughs> Now, I haven't bought the Miracle Olive Oil soap, by the way, in case you're wondering. <laughs> that was the latest one. Wash yourself with this Miracle Olive Oil soap and you'll get what your heart desires. Dear, help us. Big bar carbolic soap is more like it for me. <laughs> Singing the shower. I do. I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice to worship you. <laughs> Isn't that true? Sing when I'm in the park or when I'm out with the dog. Talk to him or my heart's singing different. It's not the song of the drunkard. <laughs> it's not the song of the drug addict they used to sing. It's not the song of the man that sat in all the shabines for days. The song of the Lord. 
this new creature will be given a new body. You're looking forward to that? No more aches and pains, eh? You know, when you get up and you go, you know, it's only whenever you sort of get over about 40, you start going, oh, whenever you get up, you should be able to spring up out of the city. Now it's like, oh, it's a longer, oh. You stick it up and there was no problem. Then I started going, oh, oh, and end up, oh, you know, just gets longer. New body. There's going to be no more tumors. No more cancers. No more diabetes. Eh? It's not going to be beautiful, isn't it? Listen, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. We're told we're going to be given a new name. To him that overcometh will I give the eight of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. And the white stone was a, a, a could be a, a token of friendship. It was a ticket to a banquet then. It was a sign of acquittal in the court of law. Jesus says, you're going to receive a stone with your name engraved, a new name. Anything's better than Kenneth, let's be honest. I'd be glad with Bert. Well, maybe not. You know. You've got to get a new name. Think about it. He's reserved a new name for you. He's reserved a new name for me. Christ is going to give us this stone and it was used at a friend, for friendship. You're my friend and that's your name. It was used for a sign or, or a ticket to a banquet. You know what banquet you're going to? It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. <laughs> and you're going to have a white stone. The overcomer in Christ will have a white stone with a new name written in it. And what's your name? Oh, my name is Ken. No, no, what's your new name? Well, Jesus gave me this and there's it there. <laughs> you can sit down at the banquet feast. And that law that we talked about that was against us, we're acquitted. Here's my passport, my way out of the court of law. Jesus, give me this. Let me finish. Thank you for your attention. Jesus says that we can come because he hath consecrated a new and living way for us in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 20. And he hath consecrated a new and living way. The term living gives the idea of a freshly slain road. It gives the idea, S-L-A-I-N, as something has been slain. An animal, a lamb, has been slain. It gives the idea where Jesus, when he went through the heavens into the presence of God, when he went through the heavens into the presence of his Father, and there he stands at the right hand of God. There he stands in a place of power and authority. There he carries himself as the sacrifice, yet he intercedes as our great high priest above. And it gives the idea that you and I, in Christ, we can enter into the Holy of Holies, through the blood of the Lamb. It means that that blood will never, never, never lose its power. Hallelujah. Never. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 
It means a freshly slain road. The blood of Jesus speaks for all eternity. And it's as though the blood is shed right here and now. It's as though the blood is shed right here and now. It's as though the blood is shed right here and now. And the priests, whenever they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, told that David slid a lamb and he went about forward and he slew more animals here. And he went forward and the priests all slew more animals here. Oh, way into Jerusalem. And the place we think of the blood, the leaders and the leaders, the gallons of red blood everywhere over their feet. They come up their legs, it was over their arms and it was down their garments, saturated in blood. And everybody that walked, their feet and everywhere was covered in blood as they came with the Ark of the Covenant to the temple in Jerusalem. You and I, every time we walk, everywhere we go, everywhere we walk, who are in Christ. The blood of the Lamb was shed once and for all. It will never be repeated again, but the power of the blood is fresh every moment of your life and for all eternity. And we can come even tonight, right here now, into the holy place by the blood of the Lamb. Isn't that tremendous, isn't it? Can you give me another five minutes? Are we all right, Jeff? John, in Revelation 21 and 2, he sees Holy City, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. Now, I've told you this before. I'm going to say it again. This isn't some big spaceship coming down out of heaven. I've heard all these sort of silly, stupid stuff. A big spaceship's now coming down, thousand feet tall, and they're going to it. Sure, the, the world will be spinning on it like this by the time it's it's, it's the earth. But look, it's, we have to take it and what this means. Do you know what the new Jerusalem is? It's not the old Jerusalem. You know what the new Jerusalem is? You and me. We are the new Jerusalem. We are. But where's Christ coming to? He's coming, and he's going to land with his feet. Upon the Mount of Olives. There's going to be a big, great, great earthquake. He's going to walk in the eastern gate. And he's going to take over the whole place. <laughs> he's going to be worshipped. And every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. We believe in CET in the millennium reign of Christ. That he will rule and reign for a thousand years with the redeemed bride, the blood-washed throng, those who are in Christ singing the new song, the overcomers of the white stone. We believe that they are the ones who will rule and reign with Christ. And as Hebrews 11 and 10 says of Father Abraham, who looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. That's the city you and I redeemed that Abraham looked for. So the new heavens and the new earth will be after a millennial reign. Satan will be loosed again. He's bound at the start. He's loosed again. And Jesus will quash him, squash him, and throw him into the lake of fire. Now notice, then there will be a new heavens and a new earth. It's prophesied off in Isaiah 65 and 17. Behold, I create a new, he- new heavens, new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come to mind. Sounds like 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, doesn't it? Yeah. Isaiah 66 and verse 22. For as the new heavens and the new earth 
which I make shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. And Peter then, in the New Testament, through the New Covenant, writes to us. He's taking all of this and saying, listen, you might get a tough, but there's a new heavens and a new earth coming. And he says in 2 Peter 3 and verse 13, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Listen, new creatures in Christ with a new body, singing a new song and a new standing. Now they're in. They are the new Jerusalem and they're in the new heavens and the new earth. Will you be there? Will you be there because you've been saved and blood-washed? And Revelation 21, verse 5, it says, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Notice, he says, I make all things new. You have to be made by God. Righteous in Christ. New creature in Christ. It's all of him. You see, salvation is from beginning to the ending, from eternity, when the Father looked down through time and before there even was time, through eternity into time, and he's seen the, the sinner on earth. Before there was a sinner on earth, there was a Savior in heaven. And he gave us the Son. And from eternity past, through time to eternity to come, eternity future, he says, listen, your salvation is not of yourself. It's all of me. He says, I have done the work. So don't try and work your way to heaven. You can't do it. Behold, I, he says, I make all things new. May God bless his word tonight. The last Sunday evening of 2018.